Yes, good to have you here. Um, it is Thanksgiving week, and uh, we're going to talk about thankfulness today. Before we get there, though, I just I, I feel like giving a uh, a good report. Would you share with us what you told me when you came in? Would you do that this morning? Yeah, y'all listen. Y'all listen to this. I don't know who all was here last week or who wasn't, but me and my wife and son come, and uh, preacher said the Lord led him to speak with Mike and tell him that he had something in store for him. So uh, I think it was Wednesday. Yeah, well, the longer story, back in September, dove season come in, and we were up in Reedsville hunting, and when we got ready to leave, he realized he lost his wallet, and not only his card and license and all that, he said he had either a little more or a little less than $800 in it. So anyway, Wednesday, he called the prison and uh, told them what had happened, asked them could we go back up there on our four-wheeler and ride, but they wouldn't let us. They wouldn't let you go on four-wheeler. But we looked before we left. We went back the next day and walked the fields and looked and looked and looked. But anyway, Wednesday, he got a phone call and the guard, whoever the guard was that he talked to, the guard had called him, and he had took it upon himself, and he went on his golf cart out in that field and found his wallet. And that's a, to me, that's a miracle. <laughs> that's a miracle. But yes, sir, he found the wallet. All the money's still in it. He called my son. We went and got his wallet. And like I said, all the money and everything was still in it. So, so that, was, that was a miracle. You know, that's, that's so cool. And I think the specific word that was spoken over him was, the thing that you have been searching for, you're going to find. <laughs> that's exactly the way it was, wasn't it? Now, having said that, we are big on prophetic ministry here. But there's, there's one thing, and we've said a lot of things about prophetic ministry, but there's one thing about prophetic ministry, a specific statement I don't think we've ever said, and here it is, is that one of the purposes of prophetic ministry is to allow the individual who receives it, when the word comes true, to realize that it was not an accident. Okay. When you receive a direct, specific, prophetic word, and it comes true under any, under a circumstance where you didn't receive, under a circumstance where, um, in this case, he um, he would not have gotten a word concerning what he'd been searching for. He was going to find it. if that hadn't happened, it would almost say, "Well, that was an accident, or that was just blind luck." Well, see, when you receive a direct prophetic word and it comes true, it takes out of the equation the possibility of anything being luck or circumstance. It points directly to God as the person responsible for that blessing in your life. <laughs> that's just so cool. I love it. That's good. Oh, I like it. That's good. Now, one of the things I think that uh, we'll probably do after the holidays are over and stuff, we'll probably have another course on uh, You May All Prophesy because, you know, the word of the Lord is precious. And the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul wrote that we may all prophesy. We all have that giftedness within us. And 
And we know that prophetic words changes people's lives. And if we've been born again and have the Spirit of God living in us and Jesus living in us, who is the Spirit of prophecy, then people can learn to hear the voice of the Lord and speak the word of the Lord concerning what they hear from Him and prophesy. And so we're probably going to do that right after the first of the year because we've got folks who haven't um, taken that course. It takes anywhere from four to six weeks. And it's just a lot of fun. And I'll say this. I don't think we've ever had anybody go through one of the courses that didn't come out on the other side and prophesy. Been a lot of people wondered about say, I can't do that. I'll never be able to do that. And lo and behold, they do that. Why? Because not of them, it's Jesus. Okay, Thanksgiving. I don't know about you, but um, <laughs> when, uh, when I became a pastor and began to be the responsible party uh, in the structure of a church where you had to bring messages on special occasions. I used to freeze up. But I wasn't good at it. Okay, I was not good at it. You know, just like, uh, and some of you have never heard this, uh, I was pastoring a church one time and it was Mother's Day and uh, I didn't bring a Mother's Day message. I brought a message on judgment. Yeah, I, I actually did that good. You can imagine how warmly received I was. Yeah, I got it. I, I, I suffered the wrath of about 150 moms. <laughs> and so, I, you know, I've struggled with the special day stuff. And then whenever it got to where I became accustomed to it, I, I think I went to excess on it because I preach on Labor Day and all kinds of, Memorial Days, and of course that's, that's okay to mention, and we do that here, I mean, you know, I kind of went excessive with it, but at any rate, Thanksgiving, just for a moment, this Thanksgiving is, um, I think is really misunderstood in the country in which we live, I, I really think it is, because, and y'all, those of you who've been in our ministry long enough, you've heard me say before that on Thanksgiving, at Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, you know, t people who are apparently, from all indications, who are, who are lost and don't know God, they say, they ask somebody a question, what are you thankful for? Well, I'm going to be frank with you. If you're thankful for something, you've got to have an object of your thankfulness or it's, it's really null and void. There's no substance and no real meaning to anything, especially Thanksgiving. If, if, if you're not, if when you're thankful, there's an object of your thankfulness, okay? Just like I'm I'm, I'm thankful for my wife and my family, and, and I'm thankful to God for them because they are exactly what I need. And God has this great way of providing us exactly what we need. And so whenever I say I'm thankful, I'm thankful to God for what he does for me and on my behalf. But Thanksgiving, I think, is very much misunderstood. And I think that we can not really fully understand, understand Thanksgiving either. And, and I'll, I'll explain it at least in, in one way, one aspect like this. Um, when, when I usually think about thankfulness or being thankful, that sort of is the end result of God's activity in my life pertaining to a particular thing. God does something in response to 
my need or my condition, and I therefore am thankful to him for it. See, thankfulness is a response that I have toward God for something he's done to me. And, and generally, when we think about the action of thanksgiving, that's about as far as it goes. God does something. My heart and my spirit and my life responds to what God did, and I'm thankful, and that's just, I'm just thankful, and that's about it. Well, I've learned that uh, there's something else involved, too, that I guess we could call it the fruit of thanksgiving, okay? It's, it's something that happens when we do engage in a, in a um, life full of thanksgiving. We'll get to that kind of on the last, but let's talk about being thankful and thanksgiving for a while. Oh, and by the way, I didn't approach this as some bore, boring chore and burden to me today. I like doing stuff like this. I like Thanksgiving messages, and I like Christmas messages, and all that kind of stuff. So I don't want you to misunderstand. I have now learned the joy of special occasion preaching, okay? <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> but I have. I really have. And... Uh, Here's, here's something else. This is a pet peeve of mine. And this is going to sound harsh to a degree. But one of the pet peeves of mine is, is, is when you get to know a person and you're around a person a lot, and the only time they're thankful is when they sit down to say their, the, the blessing or thanks for the food, and you don't hear expressions of thanksgiving otherwise at any other point during your relationship with them. That's, that's not good. And I guess I could say this, is that sometimes we can be sort of conditioned by society or the expectations of others or expectations of certain things we do. There can be expectations that, well, you're just supposed to have a response of thanksgiving, and sometimes it's, it's sincere, and sometimes it may not be very well thought out. And you know what I want to be? I want to be thankful all the time. I don't want to be thankful just at mealtime. I don't want to be thankful just when God gives me something good that I need. I want to learn how to be thankful in every season and capacity of life. Now, I'm going to tell you now, there's some things I don't ever want to learn how to be thankful for. I just don't want to go there. I'm thankful that there's some things I don't have to be thankful for. Just like the Green family. You know, they're going through a lesson in life now where they're having to, the scripture that says in everything give thanks, they're having, to, they're, they're, having to, they're having to come to grips with that and they're having to learn how to do that. I, I, don't, ever want to have, I don't ever have to walk in their shoes. And so I'm, I'm thankful that there's some things that the scripture says I need to be thankful for that I don't have to be thankful for. Is that, is, y'all understand what I just said? But I want to be thankful in every aspect and avenue of life. I want to be thankful in, in, in every moment, in every second. Now, am I? The answer to that is no. Because I haven't learned to be thankful in every moment of life. And I'm going to tell you something. You probably haven't either. It's a learning process, isn't it? And as we grow and as we mature and as we experience various aspects of life that come along with, with various seasons in life, we're learning. 
And so we're all learning to be thankful. And today we're just going to take a little trip down a road and we're going to see that being thankful is not the ends to a means, or the means to an end. And it's not just the end of something, it's actually the beginning of something because I'm learning that thanksgiving is, 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 is a life cycle. Okay? It's just like some of, the, some of the disciplines of the Christian life. It is a life cycle. It's like experiencing the love of God. It is a cycle you know, that just keeps rolling. It's like a wheel that keeps turning, and there's a response. Anyway, um, Psalm 50, let's start there. Or Psalm 26. Said, How did Psalm 50 get up here? That's crazy. Psalm 26, that's what Kim's going to put up for us. Declare me innocent, O Lord, for I have acted with integrity. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart. For I am always aware of your unfailing love. Isn't it amazing how the Scripture is always coming down to the fact that God has an unfailing love? We're constantly reminded of that. And we need to be reminded of that. And I have lived according to your truth. I do not spend time with liars or go along with hypocrites. I hate the gatherings of those who do evil. And I refuse to join in with the wicked. I wash my hands to declare my innocence. I come to your altar, O Lord. And here we go. Singing a song of thanksgiving and telling of all your wonders. The King James Version says, with the voice of thanksgiving. And the word voice means literally to sing a song. Our thanksgiving should have a particular melody to it. It should be like a trumpet or an instrument in a band. It should be that distinct and that special and that unique. Singing a song of thanksgiving and telling of all your wonders. That's where we should be. Thankfulness is, is more than just a word. It's more than just an expression. To the Lord, it's like the singing of a special song. And we have learned from Joanne McFadder that we all have a song. Wayne's song is a little different than mine. It is expressed in a different way, with different mannerisms, different words, and different uh, illustrations, different situations and circumstances. Mine is different from Wayne's. Mine is different from Daylene's, from Janie's, from Greg's. Greg's has a special, unique way. He has a special, unique song. You see, with, the, with, with what's going on in your world and the Spirit of God that's resting and in residence inside of you, as all that, as your personality and, this, and the Spirit of God and all the situations of life that are unique to you, as it comes together, there is a, there is a song that resonates out of it. And I can't copy Cody's song. If I did, y'all would all find me to be an imposter, an imitator, full of baloney. But when I began to respond to God and what He does in my life, realizing and understanding that 
when He grants me something, when He, when he answers my prayer, or when He just does something out of favor toward me, simply because I belong to Him and I have an inheritance in Jesus, because He loved me on the cross, when I respond to what God does, I receive it in my own special way, and then what resonates from me is special and different and unique from anyone else. And as, as every one of us in this room, as we respond to what God does in our life, and as we begin to sing our song, God enjoys that. It's all, all kinds of different varieties and different sounds, different melodies, different beats, different measures, different keys. And it all comes together in perfect harmony to God. And He just soaks that up. He just, he just loves it. Don't you just love it, moms and dads, when your children bless your heart with something? It's good to you. And so God responds to us like we respond to our kids. Psalm 100. Ah, uh, you've heard this before. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Why? <laughs> if for no other reason, the Lord is good. I've mentioned it before and you've mentioned it before that he's just good. That's, we can say all kinds of things about God, but, but one of the best things we can say that we all understand is that the Lord's good. And He's good all the time. And all the time, God is good. That's that good old spirit-filled Pentecostal thing, isn't it? It never grows old and it's full of truth. How is God good to you? This is where we get just a little interactive today. We're going to kind of be interactive from this point on. How is God good to you? How does God demonstrate his goodness to you. Anybody? How is oh gosh. She ran into a good friend of theirs this week and he was telling her <laughs> And I had taught the three boys and and I'm just so proud of them myself because you Form that attachment with them. Uh, but he was telling me how blessed he was because all three of his children are actively involved in the work of the Lord. One's a pastor, one's a youth pastor, and the other is just, uh, I don't remember exactly what she does. And I said, yeah, the same with us. Uh, and he was talking about their spouses you know, uh, being actively engaged too. And so often Wayne and I'll be riding down the road and we'll say we are so blessed because our children and their spouses love the Lord and they're Christians and they're raising their children in the ways of the Lord and just how blessed we are. Uh, but as Edwin, uh, Edwin and, uh, was telling me about his kids and I thought, you know, this is two sets of parents 
that God has just poured out his blessings upon the heritage, the heritage. One thing that I have learned and am still learning, there's one attribute of God that has stood out and has become so meaningful for me. And that is the word, he is faithful. Because I've learned a lot of times that he hasn't always answered the prayer when I wanted it, how I wanted it, and how I expected it to have been. But because he was faithful, I could always know that he is going to make it good. Because he's good. That's right. Because he's good. You know, and Jason, some of y'all may have saw it, but the thing that he and Jennifer for, one of the things now, they got kids. They got lots of kids. And they got one more coming. And this is special and unique. Now, you know, Jason, when I said, you know, what, what, how would you define God as good? He just reached over there and he just laid his hand on her, on her stomach because there's life in there, you know. And the cool thing about it is, going back to what we talked about earlier, is that they got a prophetic word over this child coming, that she was going to get pregnant. Going back to your testimony, same thing happened here. They got a prophetic word that she was going to be pregnant, and uh, that's God's demonstration to them. It was a direct action by God, and not just some incident because the natural processes of life were carried out. See, God's in... God is involved in the life of that child and this family. And God had determined before anything ever happened in this world, he had determined that that child was coming into the earth and that he would be the father and she would be the mother of it. And there the child is. See, God is deliberate. See, he's good that way. Not to let us think that, that all the wonderful stuff that happens to us is just an accident. But God is purposely and divinely touching our life with intent in order for us to realize He's at work so we can be thankful. Isn't that cool? With purpose and intent. But enter His gates with thanksgiving to be thankful and praise Him. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. Why? Because He's good. <laughs> and then we're given a second reason because... His unfailing love continues forever, generationally. You know, in our, the life of our little grandboys, I know because God has been good throughout the annals of time. I can make a general statement. He's, all, he's been good from even before the beginning. I can say that. And He's been good through the generations. But specifically, I can say... Because God has been good to my great-grandparents and my grandparents and my parents and me and my wife, I can trust God's goodness and His faithfulness to be good to the generations of my grandchildren. See, He's not going to deal with them any differently than how He's dealt with me. The same God, the same dealings, the same faithfulness because it is the same unfailing love that continues forever. This is what makes the grace of God so compelling 
and so wonderful. This is why it just draws people and it opens up their minds and their hearts. It's His grace which is described as His unfailing love. (laughs) I can truly say that nothing has ever happened to me by accident. Everything is with intent and purpose. Now, I may not understand it all, And it happens because the ultimate motivating force with God is His unfailing love. I may not appreciate it sometimes. And I really may not. Sometimes I may not even recognize it. But I can rest assured based on Scripture, based on the character and nature of God, and based on my experience with Him, as that His love has never failed me. Never once. May not understand it, may not can explain it, may not recognize it, but I'll tell you. His love has not failed me, not once. And it's not about to fail you. It's not about to fail you. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you're at the place where you just kind of feel like giving up or your grip is slipping or you know, you're, you're, you're grappling with uh, this whole thing about the goodness or the faithfulness of God, His Word simply declares today you're at a place where you just simply have to believe that His unfailing love goes on forever. Because sometimes you get in that place. You just, have, you just have to believe and you have to hold on. But we enter His gates with thanksgiving and we give Him praise because He's good, <laughs> because His love continues forever, because His faithfulness continues to each generation. Then in Philippians 4, 4 through 5, this is what Paul says. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need And thank Him for all He has done. Now watch this. Here's what I was mentioning earlier is that thanksgiving or being thankful is not just means to an end. It's not just the end of the conversation. It's not just something that we respond to that God has done and then uh, that's over and the perpetual work of thanksgiving is done. No, 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 no. Watch this. Don't worry about anything. Now how many of y'all got a problem with that? I got a problem with that because I don't always not worry about stuff. I'm sorry. You know, there might be some preachers who are so super spiritual that they'll present this notion to their people and present themselves either a man preacher or a woman preacher or a teacher or someone just commenting on Scripture and, and present themselves to be even maybe not intending to, but just some sort of spiritual giant that doesn't worry about anything. I, I, I worry about stuff. You, 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 you be around me very long, and I'm going to enlighten you on some stuff I do worry about. But I try not to, because I remember the Word says, don't worry about anything. Jesus said, He takes care of the sparrow. He sees the sparrow when it falls. The Scripture says that... Uh, He takes care of stuff. He knows the number of hairs on our head. 
The scripture says he knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. The scripture says God's in control. The scripture says he has power over everything. The scripture says he loves us and he's going to provide for us and we shouldn't worry, but we as humans do worry. And so we live our life trying to learn not to worry and trying to trust God more. But don't worry, but pray. Don't worry, but pray. You know, if we spent as much time praying as we did worrying, if we could just, if we could just uh, get ourselves to the place when we pick up on the fact that we begin to worry, if we could just stop, if that would just be like a trigger, a trigger mechanism in our spirit that would cause us, oh, I'm worried about something now. Let me pray about this thing I'm worried about. We'd probably be a lot better off, wouldn't we? think so. Don't worry about anything but pray. And this is what it said. This is what's so cool. Tell God what you need. <laughs> Tell Him what you need. And here's where Pentecostals have sort of been ahead of the curve on a lot of us. Because they've learned, tell God what you need and right then thank Him for what He's done. In other words, pray God for what you need and thank Him for what you believe you're going to have but you don't have currently. And am I right, Wayne? That's right. I've heard Wayne do this a million, billion times. He's passed it on to his children. I've heard them say it about half that many times. The only reason they ain't said it as much as him because they're not as old as he is yet. Okay? And so, God, here's what I need. Now, thank you for it. Lord, I thank you for it. And when, what happens is, is when we recognize our need and we tell God about it and we thank Him for it, that should be the end of it. That, that should be all. That, that should be the end of it. That's kind of hard to get a handle on sometimes, too. And like we were talking about a few weeks ago, you know, I perceive... Okay, me, I just perceive that this congregation of people, some of whom they aren't here right now, but I just perceive the, the, the greatest single concern is the concern for provision. Okay? What we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, where we're going to live, what we're going to drive, and how we're going to pay for all this. Well, here's the way we should approach that. You know, there's a, you know, we have a, we have a conscious awareness of that for a particular reason. You know, there's a reason for the conscious awareness, but we don't need to let the conscious awareness of our need drive us to the place where we worry about being able to provide. Because, to be honest with you, I can't provide for myself. Just <laughs> to be honest, I can't do that. Because it takes someone greater than me to put together the circumstances for me to have what I have. And if he's, if he's good and he's faithful to generations, then I'm, I need to come to the place eventually where I grab a hold of the, the truth that I don't need to worry, I need to pray, then thank him for what he's done. And just receive the provision. You know, and I've, I've sort of told you all this before. When, when we went into ministry almost 25 years ago, we left a good business. We left, I'm, I'm telling y'all something, we left a good life. Let me tell you how good life was. From the minute I left full-time employment to work with my wife in our first business, I'd always wanted time to hunt and fish. 
And bless God, I had all the time I needed to hunt and fish. And for six months, that's about all I did. I, I figured she was probably working a lot, but I was hunting and fishing a lot. But you know, it wasn't a struggle, was it? We were making money hand over fist, and it was not a struggle. And so when we went into full-time ministry, we divested ourselves of all that. And it's been a different experience altogether. But I believed when we went into ministry, I heard God say, and I, I, remember, I remember declaring this to him. I said, God, we'll do this, but you've got to make provision for us because if you don't, we won't have anything. We had three little girls, pretty good-sized little family. And so today I stand before you, and one of the greatest things in my consciousness, one of the things I'm, I'm most aware of is the fact that I need the provision of the Lord because if he does not fix the conditions and the circumstances that surround my life, and if he does not dispense favor on it, I can't, I can't provide. See, that's how much I depend on him. And so therefore, he has got to come through for me. Me and him have no choice but for him to come through for me. You know, Steve-O and, and Cody, boy, the Lord's provided for you guys just miraculously happening. See? You know, and, and I, for all of y'all, he's miraculously provided. And sometimes we're so quick to forget that which he has miraculously provided. And we worry about things we shouldn't worry about. But here's where Thanksgiving doesn't end. We are to not worry. We are to pray. We're to tell God what we need. We are to thank Him for what He's done. And watch what happens after we thank Him for all that He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. You see that? You see what thanksgiving produces? It produces something that there's no way on earth you can provide for yourself that you're completely at a loss for being able to provide. Peace is something that is bestowed. It's not something you, you cannot create an environment of peace because I'm going to tell you, hell is on every side most days. But if we participate, and I'll just call it the, the privilege I'm not worrying, but praying, telling God what we need, and then thanking Him for it. What happens then is just this, this inflow, this influx, this river, this stream of peace, which will blow your mind. Having peace in the middle of a circumstance when you should be biting your fingernails off, wringing your hands, sweating bullets. But you got peace, knowing why? Because God's good. We've talked, he's good and He's faithful. And He does it from generation to generation to generation. Understanding the nature and character of God and entering into the relationship where His nature is demonstrated on a daily basis brings thanksgiving from us because we recognize it, but it ushers in peace. Which you can't buy with money. can't buy it, but we can have it. Matter of fact, I'll go beyond that. It's our birthright. We can have it. God, Christ made provision for our peace on the cross. And there's the, the only, really, I'll be honest with you, the only person or the only entity or the thing 
on earth that can keep us from having peace is us. We're, we're, in, we're, we're in control. Like God's going God's to be faithful. He's going to do his thing. He's going to do all this stuff. And we're the ones who have control over our peace. Cheryl is smiling back there. What you smiling for, Cheryl? You got a big announcement to make or something? Okay. She's just happy. See, she's got peace. <laughs> and then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as we live in Him. Y'all, that is what Thanksgiving is about. It's about not just being thankful and not having some abstract statement come off the voice of your lips at a particular time during the day or a particular time during the season. It's engaging the character and nature of God that will ultimately bring us peace because we can't, re we can't really have peace without unless we're thankful. That's part of the puzzle. And I wouldn't be so simplistic as to say when you don't have peace, the problem is because you're not thankful. No, that's a part of it. That's, that's, that's just a part of the, the landscape upon which God will just bring in peace. But I tell you, it's a critical peace.